0: Mac Power Users, episode 47, Dropbox Awesomeness. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks back with the Mac Power Users. Along with me is my co host, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie?
1: I'm doing well, David. I'm still recovering a little bit from our marathon episode with Merlin, but what a blast that was. Wasn't that fun?
0: Oh, I, yeah, that was great.
1: I, I think it was kind of like, like The Empire Strikes Back, maybe a little bit better than the original.
0: Yeah, me too. And we're going to have them back next year, so we're going to make that hopefully an, an annual thing, hopefully. Uh, but we're getting back to our normal format. We're going to focus on one subject, and this is a subject that both you and I uh, have been talking about focusing on for some time. Uh, Dropbox.
1: Yeah, it's been time to have a Dropbox show because it's something I use every day. It's something that is an integral part of having the show. I don't. It certainly would be a lot more difficult to do the show without Dropbox, and it's really become one of those services that that I depend on. I don't think I would be able to use my computing life the way that I do without Dropbox.
0: Yeah, uh, the days before Dropbox, it feels like the uh, Stone Age. Compared to what we can do now with sharing data, and we're going to go through all the different ways you can do it. But we're bringing in a special guest today as well. Uh, uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie Smith from Practically Efficient has agreed to come on with us. How you doing, Eddie?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you know, I had to think about your last name because you've always just been Eddie to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I've yeah.
2: got one of those hard to spell, hard to uh, remember last names.
0: Yeah right. <laughs> well, if you haven't, uh, if you're listening to the show and you haven't checked it out yet, you need to go over to Practically Efficient, uh, Eddie. I I don't remember when I first became aware of you, but I started linking you the the first time I found you. I just think that everything you do there is just really high
2: quality. Well, I really appreciate that, and and honestly, uh, I you know I'd be lying if I said that uh, Mac Power users wasn't you know one of the inspirations for that site. Uh, I, I mean, I it was just a time in my life when I was uh, really getting getting into the Mac and exploring, and uh you know I, so I think there's a lot of overlap too. So I it's been a blast writing it so far. And you've got a baby coming, right? That's right, yeah, and I guess this is the first uh, official announcement over the internet. Uh, I haven't said anything about that on my website. Uh, oh, is that a I, secret? We can oh, cut we, it out. We can it cut it out if you want, yeah. It was, no, 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 it's not a secret at all. Because
0: uh, we spend a lot of time editing every show, you
2: know. Oh. There's tons. We, we, we do. We sure do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. In fact, uh, I... Uh, I figured it would come up if there's several things about Dropbox I could mention that would, it would probably relate to that. So, um. All right, here's,
0: here's a free workflow for you for a new dad. This is one you need to know about. Because, you know, we always have baseball season, football season, and there's going to be a new baby around. So the trick is you sit on the couch, you put the remote in your left hand. Oh, this dear. is important. You I take a work. note. And then you lay the baby in the crook of your left arm. And you put the bottle in your right hand, and then you can flip between the game and sit on the couch all day and feel like you're helping your wife.
2: (laughs) That's that's what multitasking is all about. (laughs)
0: Well, you you laugh, but it took me like two babies to figure this out. And now I have it down pat. That one's for free. I'm just okay.
2: All right. Well, I'm I'm writing that down. So,
0: (laughs) okay. Well, let's talk about Let's talk about Dropbox and you know kind of how we got here. Uh, I uh, was always using two computers and I was into SneakerNet and I thought that those thumb drives where you could put you know back then it was you know fifty megabytes on a stick. I thought that was amazing, you know, because I was thinking about the old days where you had the um, the the floppy disk and then you had the jazz drives and all those different drive you know all these things you're trying to move data back and forth through, between computers. And then there was a product that came out. Actually, before Dropbox became dominant, the one I first used was called SugarSync. Uh, Either one of you guys ever try that?
1: I tried a demo of SugarSync. I don't think I ever signed up for the paid service just because it was a little wonky. Well,
0: SugarSync was kind of neat. Um, It allowed you to sync selected folders on your drive already. So you could pick a folder somewhere on your hard drive, and it would sync it. You didn't have to put everything in one folder like Dropbox does. And to this day, really, that's a that's a benefit they don't have. But, and there's a big but. It wasn't as fast, and I had problems with them um, package files, specifically Scrivener files. And if I have a Scrivener file go bad, that means I lose hours of work. Right. So I so I got hooked in SugarSync. In fact, if you look in this Max Sparky archives, you'll see some posts I wrote praising it because I thought it was really great when I started using it. But then, when I started having some things go wrong, I decided to switch over to Dropbox. And it uh, was—I had to consider it because you know Dropbox is really a behemoth at this point. I mean, they're so big, and we're going to talk later about the way they hooked themselves into the iPad. But you know, back then it was really kind of a new service, and it only would sync one folder. But it's just so rock solid that that was what they built that that business on. How about you, Katie? How did you find yourself getting to Dropbox?
1: You know, I think my—I'd heard of Dropbox, but I think. Uh, You know, I first really started, you know, I signed up for the free, you know, two gigabyte or whatever it was account, you know, when it started showing up on the blogs and and everything like that. And, you know, I had it and it was cool and it synced some stuff. But when I really started getting into it is when all of a sudden applications that I know and love and really relied on uh, that had previously used uh, MobileMe and iDisk as sync support you know, said, "Hey, here's Dropbox as an another option for for using your sync." And you know, going in and and you know, you'd have all this wonkiness with the iDisk, and you know, figuring out you know what was going on and why it wasn't syncing and why that wasn't working. And so then I I really started looking into this Dropbox thing because okay, well if if these developers are using it, they must think very highly about the service. Uh, and then really start investigating what other ways can I use it and. You know, more applications became dependent on it. I found more ways that I could make other applications dependent on it. Um, and, and then figuring out just how to keep in sync. And, and I don't have two primary Macs like you do. So to me, I'm not keeping multiple Macs in sync. Um, but, uh, keeping a work and a home computer to some degree, sharing files in between those. Um, and, and now with iDevice, it's, you know, it's, it's uses are endless.
0: You know, it's funny, because going through this, neither one of us ever used the word mobile me.
1: Well, no, and neither one of us ever said, let's do a show on iDisk.
0: Yeah, and and I did try that before Dropbox either either existed or either I was aware of it. Uh, For a while, I was trying to use iDisk to sync between two computers, and I just found it wasn't working. I mean, you get conflicts, and it was so bloody slow that you would, you know, you'd be in the coffee shop. The old—I I have a specific recollection of sitting in a Pete's Coffee, working on a uh, a text file. You know, I mean, it's not even a big file, and I was working, working on it, and then um, saved it the Mobile Me disk, and then went home, and it wasn't there. You Oops. know, it just hadn't finished syncing. And you know, Mobile Me's big failure is the thing that makes Dropbox great. I mean, Dropbox is fast; Mobile Me is slow. And Macworld, I even did a slide, and I had a tortoise and a hare, and that's exactly what it is.
1: And and Mobile Me, you know, f- I so wanted it to work because and you know, all these rumors are out there that Mobile Me is gonna become free or it's become a different kind of service, but everything that Apple has done to Mobile Me, you know, they're still charging my 99 bucks a year, it, at least as of the date that this show is published. Um, and they've still never fixed it. You know, they every time they want to talk about updating mobile me, they talk about the fact that if it's gonna get so much better. Um, and they've made improvements in other areas like CalDAV and, and other syncing services and push notifications. And MobileMe, I think, is still a very valuable service. We we could do a show one day on MobileMe. But but iDisk is really where that falls short. And, you know, if, at, at some point, I know a lot of people were saying, well, you know, gosh, I hope Apple just buys Dropbox or does something with Dropbox so that, that they can use this technology. And, and you know, now I, I I don't know. Do do we trust Apple with that kind of technology? I'm I'm not so sure that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, I have to think the same thing, but this always brings up the, the discussion of the mythical, was it North Carolina data center?
1: Yeah. They're working on it. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, and
2: and I don't at this point, I don't know that that it really makes sense for Apple to to buy it. it I think I I really wonder if that ship sailed because Um, it seems to become, it's become so prevalent and and such a core, really a feature. I mean, it really has become a feature of so many uh, mobile apps, Um, uh, like 1Password. I mean, I I can't imagine 1Password without the Dropbox sync now. And and so it seems to be getting by just fine without any help from Apple. And I, I wrote a post recently saying that Dropbox keeps getting better by not changing it all, Because people keep developing on top of it and around it, and so
0: yeah, well, what they did, I think, is they they ate Apple's lunch on the iOS platform. mm -hmm. I mean, how come Apple didn't have a built-in APA to save and load and access your mobile me iDisk space? I mean, if you look at the way Dropbox did it, all these app developers have you seen this? You know, this battle royale of text editors on iOS. And they all yeah, use yeah. Dropbox, and they it, right. it just it just accesses your files there. You don't even really save them to your local uh, computer on a lot of them. So you know they came up with this API, something Apple should have had on day one. And now all the developers have embraced it. And frankly, if they came out with it for MobileMe now, I don't think anybody'd be interested.
1: Well, and yeah, you know, a lot I, I, of these developers were previously using uh, MobileMe. One One Password is a classic example of that. Your One Password keychain used to number one. It used to be an actual keychain. That synced via mobile me. And then when they got away from the from the keychain format and, and used their own agile keychain format, uh, they still used to sync that actual file via iDisk was one of the options. And then they slowly started pushing people over to Dropbox and saying, here's another option. This is a little better option. Uh, and then finally, they just said, you have to go to Dropbox. Dropbox has a, you know, free two gig account for anybody. Um, if you want to sync, you have to do it with Dropbox because our people just can't support the wonkiness of iDisk. And uh, you know, I don't want to quote the statistics or anything, but at one point they said that an astronomical number of their support requests had nothing to do with their product, but with issues related to to syncing an iDisk. And they just made the business decision to not do that anymore.
0: Yeah, and our other sponsor, uh, Smile Software, does the same thing. Yeah. Text expander now is all Dropbox based. All right. Well, let's get. We're kind of getting to the details. Let's let's step back a little bit and just let's talk about what what is Dropbox.
1: Well, it's it's internet based file sharing and syncing, but but it does more than that. It, I mean, it it I guess it doesn't have to be internet based, but um, it it works. It's just it's just. You ha- okay. Well, you you have a box, your Dropbox on your computer, and and we should specify this because um, I I've tried it, uh, several times to explain Dropbox to my my local Mac users group, and there are always a couple of people in there who get confused because you know inside your home folder, I think inside your public folder, there's that folder that's called Dropbox that yeah. that has to do with uh, if you're sharing information between user accounts on your computer, and to be clear. Completely unrelated, absolutely unrelated. So, the the Dropbox folder uh, is a folder that lives in, by default, it lives in your Documents folder or in the in the root in your home directory. But you know, I guess it can live anywhere. And any file or any folder that is inside this Dropbox specific folder gets synced to the cloud, and then to whatever other accounts you have that are accessing that Dropbox. Or with their newer version that we'll talk about later, if you have computers that are on the same local area network, just synced over the local area network.
0: Yeah, I mean, so so the beginning is that let's say you have one computer, and you don't have any you know, one Mac, you don't have any iOS devices or anything. What does Dropbox do for you? It you have it, it creates kind of a poor man's backup system and versioning system because it takes anything in that folder. And it copies it up to the internet, to the servers, to the Dropbox servers, which we kind of, we, everybody calls it the cloud. But really it's a server somewhere that's holding this for you. And it keeps copies of it as you change it so you can go back and get old versions. And for, I think I even said on our backup session, I, I did this for um, a college friend of mine. And she didn't have a lot of money. I had her put all of her documents in the Dropbox folder. And sure enough, she... Uh, <laughs> Did I tell you the story dun, dun, about? Dun. Yep. I tell a story about my niece, the, the science teacher.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think you talked I, about it on our backup show.
0: Yeah, where she she put magnets next to her computer.
1: Oh, I thought that was oh your science. The science teacher did that. Yeah, she, I I thought it was just our engineering friend who did that.
0: Well, Allison Sheridan did it, yeah. But my, my niece, she's a science teacher, and she teaches to all these little kids in San Diego. She's awesome. And and, uh, and
1: how do magnets work, David?
0: Well, she had all these rare earth magnets, and she had her Mac there, and all these kids are running around, around the room with magnets. And sure enough, somebody got their magnets too close to her Mac during the presentation, and the whole thing just went, you know, it you know, just went down, you know. And she had Dropbox, and she's working on some stuff at school. You know, she's always continuing her education, and Dropbox saved her bacon there because she hadn't plugged into her time capsule backup for a while. And so getting back. So if with one computer, it's a great solution for just having backup. And even like setting up for computers for your non-tech savvy friends, you just tell them save all your files to this folder and don't even tell them what's going on. Set up a two gigabyte file and don't worry about it. And then they've got a backup system. So it's like that for you. But I think where it really gets awesome is where you add another Mac or you add an iPhone or an iOS device because then it shares that data. Um, and so you've got, uh, for instance, with two Macs... Or, got or two copies.
1: computers, period. Uh,
0: yeah, or two computers. Yeah, you, you can use other PCs You as could well. use a PC. And uh, so you've got three copies of the data at the point. You've got your local folder all the time. So you've got the local folder on the laptop, for instance, and on your desktop computer. And then you've got the Dropbox version up on the Dropbox servers. So... That's a great way to kind of have some redundancy, and everything is shared. So if you're on your laptop and you make a change to a text file, by the time you push your chair over to your desktop, it's already updated on your desktop computer.
2: Yeah, and it and it really is just mind blowing how fast it is. I mean, I, I do some work uh, actually where I, I do use a PC to to record some uh, some screencasts. And uh, I prefer to create most of the materials for those on my Mac, and uh, and it's amazing how I can you know create a document in Pages, PDF it, and then literally by the time I'm at the other machine, it's there. I mean, it's it's it's, it's going. It's amazing. That it's going to the internet and coming back into my home, you know, in seconds. I mean, it's as fast as it would be if it was a local file server. So, and it's like that. Every time. I mean, it's like there's never a delay. So it's just, it's amazing how reliable it is.
0: And what Katie was referring to earlier is if you have a Wi-Fi network and you have two computers on the same Dropbox and you have to enable it in the Dropbox settings preference where you say Wi-Fi sharing. But if you do that, it's not even going to send it over to the Dropbox servers it's going to sync it directly over the Wi-Fi network. So for big files, it's going to be really fast and efficient. And I
1: think I think it will ultimately sync it to the Dropbox servers. Oh, absolutely! It's just it's going to that. sync. It's just going to sync it faster to your local area network.
0: Yeah, totally. It's going to happen. Right. But you, but you know, ultimately, you know, ideally, when you're in the house or right. office, you want that file to get over there as soon as you can. But in the meantime, it's always grinding that thing up to the server. Right.
1: Um, they also have a web app um, which you can use if you're at any other computer or. You know, to, to access the files, to download the files, or to, to manage the Dropbox account. So you, you can be anywhere and access any file that's on your Dropbox or download it or share it out or access any of your settings.
0: And, and one thing you need to do is you have to use that web app for certain features. Like if we're going to create a shared folder, you create it on the web app. You don't do it on your local computer. Right. And I think we kind of skipped over that. We Just,
1: did skip over that. So yeah. that's one of the ways that David and I share information about this podcast is you can not only um, create you know, you not only share your entire Dropbox with yourself, but you can create certain folders within the Dropbox that you can share with others. For example, um, there is a Mac Power Users folder within the root level of my Dropbox folder that I don't remember who created it now, but either David or I created it and then invited the other person to share. And we'll do that with Eddie at the end of this podcast, and we'll create a, a, a folder for him, and he'll drop his audio file in there, and that's how we'll we'll, we'll share documents back and forth. And if we ever wanted to stop sharing, we can go into the web interface and and stop sharing with that person. Now, one thing you do need to be aware of is that um, for example, by sharing a folder with David, um, you know anything that David puts in that folder on his computer is going to get synced up to the Dropbox Cloud. And then get synced down to my computer. And I know a couple of people, especially I think Bart Buchatz has has mentioned that, you know, he has a problem with this philosophy because he is allowing somebody else to determine what goes on his computer. But, but that's fundamentally what Dropbox is. Um, and then sometimes all of a sudden, especially I'm a little more aware of it because I've got this MacBook Air, you know, after we record a show like the two and a half hour Merlin show. I came down and set, looked at my computer, and all of a sudden, five gigs were gone. And I realized, oh well, David just sent me the the audio file, you know, of that yeah. recording, which was a you know two and a half hour long, you know, AIFF file or or something like that. So so keep in mind that you are giving someone access to to put files into your computer, which could be used for nefarious purposes. So you you obviously only want to do this with people that you trust.
2: Yeah, and that and I learned that lesson. Uh, Early on, too, I it, it was funny. That was kind of a, the downside of introducing my family to Dropbox because I quickly realized that uh, it was so easy for them to use that to share things like photos and video, and they were dropping it, you know, into my you know shared folder. And after I had you know gotten three or four family members using Dropbox, uh, my space was rapidly shrinking. So I, I kind of I don't think they realized what was going on. So I just made them aware of that, and it's just you know if if you're not using the paid account then you know you're going to run out of space quickly depending on what you're storing in dropbox or and what you know others are storing that you've shared with yeah.
0: and another point is when you're sharing with somebody you have to be cognizant of what you do to that folder for instance 10 minutes before we start recording here i always put a copy of the outline because we work on the outline kind of collaboratively and i always put a copy on my desktop before we start recording and I pulled it off, but I moved it out of the folder without thinking. And I like, Oh, wait a second. I just took the, the outline away from everybody else. So I had to make sure to copy a version back in there. So you have to kind of think about all these things, but it's really magical. I um I had dinner this week with Victor over at Victor Cahiao from the uh, typical Mac user podcast and, uh, and Adam uh, from MacCast. We, you know, we get to, cause we all live close to each other. We get together once in a while. And, um, Victor is working on an audio project right now where he's doing some audio engineering and logic. The you know, the guy he's working with is in LA, like the horn players are somewhere in another state. The singers are in South America. You know, all these people are coming together to produce this song. Nobody's in the same time zone, and Dropbox is a glue that's holding it all together. I mean, they'll record the, the audio singing part and they'll put it in Dropbox. And then Victor will take it out and add it to the recording. It's just amazing when you think about it.
1: Well, the, everybody gets two gigs for free. Um, now, if you want to get a little more for free, there there are a couple of options. Um, uh, with referrals, if you want to refer a friend to Dropbox, you can get up to 250 megabytes for each friend that you refer to Dropbox, up to a total of 10 gigabytes. Um, so if you don't want to pay for Dropbox, which you probably should because this is a great service, um, you know, you can get up to about 10 gigabytes free. Now, they, they adjust that number every now and then so so that your mileage may vary with that. Uh, a paid account for 50 gigabytes is 100 bucks a year, or for 100 gigabytes is 200 bucks a year. Now, if you happen to be in education, there's going to be a link in our show notes. Uh, Dropbox is really promoting themselves to educational users. So if you have a uh, an affiliation with an educational institution, you can double your free space. That's a pretty good deal.
0: Yeah, now, so are you in the paid account,
2: Katie?
1: I am.
0: Yeah, well, because with our podcast we almost need it. How about you, Eddie? Which one do you
2: do? I'm still in the free account, but I've done uh, several, or I've gotten several referrals, and so. But I'm I'm starting to run out of space, and I've just made up my mind. As soon as I hit that limit, I'm just going to start paying for it because it's it's just one of those applications that I, I feel like I should be paying for as much as I rely on it anyway.
0: Yeah, you know, I could get away, because pro- I, I have a paid account, but I'm only using like 12 gigs on average. But then when we do a podcast or something, sometimes it goes up. So I could probably get away if I used, you know, my Max Sparky juice to get people to give me referrals. But it's I feel the same way. I mean, $100 a year, I think, is worth it for all the benefit I get out of the service. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right.
1: All right, so why don't we take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor, and then when we come back, we'll talk about some of the more advanced things that you can do with the Dropbox.
0: Okay, well, uh, let's start with text Expander then from Smile Software. It's one of my favorite pieces of software. Uh, it's the app that keeps on giving quick and easy text snippets you can keep across all your applications, iOS, Mac, it doesn't matter, even on your PC if you use the Brevi app.
1: And I am using the Preview app on my PC, and one of the ways that I can make sure that all of my snippets are in sync, whether they're in the Mac or on the PC, is by using Dropbox, because Tech Expander uses Dropbox to sync their database of snippets, whether it be across multiple Macs or whether it be across Macs and PCs, and I've never had a problem.
0: Yeah, I just think Text Expander is another one It's like Dropbox. If you took it away from me, I would weep. It's just so helpful. <laughs> Oh, and you know, Eddie, you did a great post on Text Expander where you created a little um, shell command that puts commas in uh, numbers.
2: Yeah, I was kind of piggybacking off of uh, some work that Brett Terpstra is doing. He, he's kind of the, the mad scientist with Text Expander. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just the uses are just infinite. I mean, it's it's an incredible. It, it saves me so much time whether it's email signatures or. Uh, or doing things like that, just you know, just all these rote, repetitious activities you find yourself doing. It's amazing how it can just smooth those frictions out.
0: And sometimes when you're feeling bad about yourself, you can go into the Text Expander preferences pane, and it shows you all the hours you've saved using their application, and it just makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and think about how much life you've added to your fingers.
0: Yeah, right? that too.
1: So you can find Text Expander along with all of the other great software that's made by Smile at smilesoftware.com. A license for Text Expander will cost you $35, and it's available through the Smile Software website or through the App Store. And they also have a, a version for iOS as well. So our thanks to Smile for their continued support of the podcast.
0: All right, so now let's get back to Dropbox. We talked a little bit about uh, the lawn sync, the local area network sync, before. Um, uh, you think Apple's trying to play catch up with Lion?
1: Um, they might. You know, they've got this new. Well, I don't know how much we can talk about it. I guess we can talk about it to the extent that it's 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 been publicly discussed. AirDrop feature um, that will allow you to share files between multiple Macs and Lion, which kind of sounds a lot like this, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, sort of, except I, I think it's broader. I mean, Dropbox, it's got to be your folder in your Dropbox folder in order to work, whereas I think AirDrop is intended to be across the OS. But, you know, we'll see how reliable it is. I mean, frankly, I don't have that much faith. in. Uh, as much as I love Apple products, I don't have that much faith in their uh, their networking thing because I'm kind of tainted by iDisk right now.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think we could see some changes with, with iDisk and maybe just make it go away.
0: You know, that's one of the things everybody keeps saying they just need to buy Dropbox. I think they have the smart enough people in Cupertino to make this work. I I just think maybe it's bandwidth or it's not a priority. I don't know what the reason is. But I suspect they don't need to buy Dropbox. If they wanted to make iDisk work, I think they could. Right.
1: Um, another feature of Dropbox that's relatively new, and make sure you're using the newest version, is Selective Sync. Um, and this was a feature that I think you and I worked around for a little while because I was syncing my home and my work computer, and, and now there's there's no need to, to play with various workarounds. But Selective Sync is a new feature that has to be enabled in the Advanced Preferences tab of the Dropbox Preferences pane. But it allows you to say, okay, I just want you to sync this folder with this computer or this folder and this folder with this computer, and and not others, which is great because it allows me to have a folder for work in my Dropbox that I can sync with my PC at work, but not sync all of the other things I have in my Dropbox. Or I can sync, for example, you know, my One Password, my Text Expander, and my work folder because um, I use One Password and Brevi on my on my work PC and and just that work folder, but yet not let them... I mean, my work PC doesn't need to have all my Mac Power user stuff and all that other stuff that, you know, you never quite know who's on that work PC.
0: Have you tried the selective folders yet, Eddie?
2: No, I haven't done that. I'm, I'm actually still doing... I think it's a tip, David, that I got from you a while back uh, on basically just setting up a different Dropbox account and, uh, you know, just... Uh, Deciding which folders you want to overlap, you know those two machines. So that that was sort of the, I guess, the poor man's uh, selective sync. Um, and that honestly, that still works well for me. So I haven't really had a need to to look into that new feature yet.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll put the post in the show notes. This was something I came up with because I was sitting at work and you know it's, it was me thinking about um, Sugar Sync to a certain extent because Sugar Sync allowed me to selectively sync folders. And I was thinking because I've got a PC, a Windows Seven a PC at work and. I want to use Dropbox for certain pieces, but I don't want, like Katie said, the Mac Power users, or I've got big chunks of the new book on Dropbox. I've got all this text and other stuff in there that I don't want somebody reading. And uh, so my solution at the time was to come up with, uh, just get a free 2 gigabyte Dropbox account in addition to my paid account. And it's under a different email password, and I set it up on my work PC. And then I shared a folder from that account to my big Dropbox account, to my, to my other email, essentially. So the folder is shared from the small account to the big one. And then anything you put in there, then you can basically selectively share. Now, I know that they have selective folder sync now. And as I understand the feature, it has to be a folder that is within your Dropbox folder. It's not anywhere on your your Mac. It has to Correct. be within that. Correct. Um, And I haven't embraced it. And I've had people email me saying, hey, you know, in fact, I've had people comment on that old post that it's no longer necessary. But I don't see it that way. I I still like my old system. And the reason is this. I don't know who's going to be on my PC. I mean, first of all, it's a PC, right? So Mm -hmm. who knows who can get into it? But I know that definitely network administrators have access to it. And anybody who sits down at my desk and gets the book out of the office that shows the password to get into any of the computers can get into it. And they could go in there and turn on that sync. You know, you can go into to Dropbox and say, okay, well, he's unselected Mac Power users. I'm just going to check the box, and now that will start syncing.
1: Down it comes. Yeah, that's true.
0: And I'm just, I just don't feel comfortable. It's kind of, it's just kind of like my personal stuff. And I think that's partly because I try to generally keep the Mac Sparky and the the law stuff separate. Uh, But I just don't want people with access to my PC being able to arbitrarily get into that data and um and it's not that I have state secrets in there, but i just i don't feel comfortable with that, so I was sticking with the old system
1: yeah well, one of the areas specifically where selective sync can come in handy you know is where you're dealing with your own computers and you don't have those those security concerns um and and it's great if you have one of these new fancy MacBook airs, especially if you have one of those that you know maybe only has 64 gigs of memory or maybe 128 and, and you're short on space and you don't want to sync that entire Dropbox with that specific computer
0: yeah that's perfect for instance if uh, Katie uh, you're working on an iMac and you had the the new 64 gigabyte MacBook air and you say okay don't sync Mac power users folder and that way when we stick the five gigabyte you know Merlin man file up mm-hmm. you don't get that on your laptop that's true Uh, But it's not just for syncing folders. You can sync other data with Dropbox. Uh, One of my favorites is Bento. Um, I still like Bento. I use that application. And uh, the one feature, and they just came out with the new version, I think it's four now. And I got to talk to their press guy and I said, you know, the one thing that kills me about this app is you guys still haven't got it figured out how to sync data. You know, it's if you have two versions, if you have one version on two computers. generally the database is in a very specific place within your application library. And it's not easy to share it, but there is a fix uh, if using Dropbox. And I'll put a link in the show notes. So uh, as long as you don't have it open in two places at once, you're good.
1: Right. Um, And and this was something that, that I've, I've been looking into for certain apps. It's all, even though it's not built in support for certain apps, like it is for one password, like it is for text expander, it can be a workaround for other apps that don't provide sync options. Um, and I, I would like to stress that you be careful when you do this because it may cause some wonkiness because you know, if, if the, if the application isn't expecting, you know, some applications say, okay, just, just point me to where the database file is and I'll be happy with that. Just, just tell me where you want it to be. And in those applications, it's easy. You know, you move that database file or whatever to your Dropbox, you point the application to that database file and you know, boom, you you've got the database file in sync with Dropbox and you can have multiple copies of that application on multiple computers, you know, look at that same database file. And sometimes you have to be a little bit careful because you know if you've got an app open on on two computers at the same time trying to open the same file you you can have a little mini implosion there when when you're trying to to write data at the same time um, you know one of the applications that i that I do really like, although I don't use it anymore because it did not have a dedicated sync feature uh, was things, which is an excellent task management app by cultured code and although this is not an officially supported method for syncing things. Um, you know, I'll put a link in the show notes, but there is a way that you can use Dropbox at least between computers to sync your Things database.
0: Yeah, and all this comes back to symbolic links. You know, you create these links where the computer, you basically fool the computer into thinking it's looking in the particular application reference file that it needs to be in. When in actual out, when actuality, it's looking at the Dropbox uh, folder. It's the same way you pull it off with Bento. You know, so it's symbolic links are how you do it. Some people. Uh, move their whole documents or their whole home folder up to Dropbox, and then they create symbolic links to do that as well.
1: I actually just recently did that. Um, it's something that I've been looking at doing for a while, and then you know, finally, I said, "Okay, well, we're going to do this Dropbox show, so maybe now's the time to bite the bullet and do it." Um, okay, so
0: tell me about that. So you put the whole uh, well, user file up
1: there. There were basically, I, I was researching this, and there there were a couple of ways to do it. But but let me back up and talk about a little prep work that you want to do first. Um, because a lot of stuff gets thrown in your documents folder, and this drives me nuts, that is not truly belonging in the documents folder. You know, you got that stinking Microsoft user database if you use Microsoft Word. I'm going to post a tip to katiefloyd.me about how to get rid of that. I've I've gotten rid of that and moved it somewhere else. Um, But a lot of uh, applications like to store their database files in that documents folder, and maybe they don't really belong there. So I had to do, the, the first thing I had to do was a little bit of cleanup of my documents folder to get it the way that I wanted so that I only had actual documents in there. So I went into my home folder and, you know, I created some separate folders. I, you know, I created a database folder for all these databases and I created a podcast folder for everything podcast related because, you know, we make a lot of big files with this podcast every couple of weeks and I didn't want those syncing to Dropbox all the time. So I managed to get my documents folder down to under five gigs so that it was truly... Just documents. And so that was step one, kind of in preparation. And, and then I started looking at, okay, what are my options for doing this? And it, it seemed to, to go in in two areas. One option was just to forget about using the documents folder on your Mac and just start using Dropbox as a documents folder. Just create a folder in Dropbox, call it Documents, move all of your documents to your Dropbox folder, and then create Either an alias or a symbolic link from your Dropbox to, you know, a folder inside your home folder that you call Documents, and go from there.
0: Okay, and let me interject. That's basically what I've done. I mean, when yeah. I got into Dropbox, I just started, and I don't even have—I don't think I have a folder on Dropbox called Documents. I just have uh, data stores, and I have records, and I have different folders on Dropbox, and that's where I go for this stuff. I don't—I mean, my Documents folder on my Mac is a wasteland. I mean, yeah. it's got like my Dragon Dictate. Profile and Microsoft.
1: And it's just my organization method. You won't find any of that stuff in my documents folder. Yeah. Because I believe in using, you know, if you look at the documents folder inside my Dropbox, it's going to have all the stuff that you probably have in the root level of your Dropbox.
0: Okay. So now what's the other option?
1: The other option is to leave your documents folder organized just as it is on your Mac. Once you've got it set up the way that you want and then create a symbolic link from your drop from your documents folder to your Dropbox.
0: And that's what you did?
1: That's what I did.
0: Is it working out okay?
1: It's worked out perfectly. I mean, it. you know, you're, it, the, the first upload took, I don't even think it took an hour. I mean, it was very fast, but I was very careful when it did the first upload. I said, okay, I'm just going to walk away from the computer, make sure that no other apps are running, and, and let this do its thing. And I, I also, you know, did all my backups right before I did it. Um, and
0: you could do that with two max too as well, Correct.
1: Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah,
0: so you just create the symbolic link on both ends so everything
1: is in sync. All right. You, you might have a name issue, though, which is maybe where the other method would, would come in handy. But, you know, again, I don't have the, the two Mac issue. How
0: about you, Eddie? How do you do that? Uh, with <laughs> symbolic links? I mean, do you use symbolic links or do you just okay. create folders on your Dropbox?
2: Um, yeah, I actually, well, I do both. Um, I'm kind of like you, David. I, I Basically, Dropbox is kind of my de facto uh, documents folder now. Uh, that's really just uh, my working folder. Um, but I have used Symbolic Links some. I, I found a, a really handy utility called Symbolic Linker.
1: Yep, we got a link to that in the show notes.
2: Okay, I think it was made by Nick Zitzman. Um, and... So that kind of takes all the the geekery <laughs> out of creating symbolic links. You don't have to open terminal and type anything into terminal. It basically uh is just a service uh and I've used that. Um, I've got sort of this sandbox set up where I play with my website offline if I'm if I'm ever fiddling with the CSS or doing something like that. You know, if you've ever done that kind of work, you know that it's very trial and error. And, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that Dropbox would be perfect for because if you, you know, wreck your CSS file, you can always restore it in a few clicks. But since that wasn't set up inside Dropbox, um, I just created a symbolic link uh, to that folder uh, containing that custom or the CSS file I was playing with. And uh, so now if I ever need to restore that, it's it's really easy. Um, and uh, And one thing I found out early on when I was doing that, my... My first impulse was to try to create a symbolic link for a specific file, but you don't want to do that. <laughs> and I don't remember all the details why, but that doesn't work. So if anybody's trying to create symbolic links, make sure you're uh, creating them for folders and not uh, specific files.
1: Symbolic yeah. links are, are also great. Um, I've, I've been using them some with my Drobo. Victor's got a tip for this, but not really talking about Dropbox, but symbolic links are also great that that can be used for Dropbox. Let me, let me get back on topic. Sorry. Um, you know, for example, if you want to store databases or things in your Dropbox, but an application just refuses to let you put something where you want it to, and it's looking for something in a very specific place, you can, you can use symbolic links to trick an application into saying, yep, that file's right where you think it is.
0: Yeah. I think that's some, uh, I guess, level seven nerdery, you know, knowing about symbolic links and when to use. They can really save your bacon as you try to kind of customize your Mac a little bit. Um, hey, let's talk about web dev. There's some developments for Dropbox. Um, uh, Eddie, you posted on this, and the um, and I've been playing with a service called DropDev. Uh, so, you know, uh, a web dev server is a, a particular type of internet-based server, and You know, there's some apps on the iPad, for instance, like Pages and Keynote and Numbers that don't use Dropbox syncing, but they do use WebDAV syncing. So, Web, um, I'm sorry, DropDAV is the service that magically turns your Dropbox into a WebDAV server. It's awesome. Have you, so now, Eddie, you've written about it, so you've been using it for a while.
2: Uh, No, actually, I I just started to experiment a little bit after I saw you post on it, David, because it was intriguing to me. And uh, um, one of the first things I did is I I tried to just use it to access Dropbox over the web as kind of an alternate portal into Dropbox. Um, Sometimes you're on networks, like you, you may work for a company that just blocks Dropbox. Well. WebDAV uh, or DropDAV rather would give you a way to at least see your Dropbox uh, files and then you could download those if, if you needed to. There's, I don't think there's a way to upload it, you know, just straight through a browser. You'd probably need a FTP client or, or, or some other type of uh, a client that could, you know, uh, upload files, but um, it's kind of a nifty way to kind of create a backdoor to your Dropbox account. Yeah,
0: if you're resourceful, I bet you could figure a way to pull files down if you're blocked. But what I find it very useful for is using the the, uh, the iWork apps on the iPad because okay. suddenly you, you have access to your Dropbox. And the way it works is it's free with a two gigabyte Dropbox file. Well, so it's, it's it's
1: free with anything that's not a paid Dropbox. So
0: if you get up to 10 gigs of free space, you're still free?
1: Yeah, yeah. and what it does is it looks at it and it says basically, I don't know what the threshold is, but it looks at it and it figures, okay, you're under X threshold, so you must be a free Dropbox account.
0: So, But for me, I'm paying $100 a year for the 50 gigs of Dropbox space, and then I pay an additional $3 a month or $36 a year to have this drop dev. And it doesn't give me any additional space. It just gives me the ability to address my Dropbox space through web dev service. And I haven't decided yet whether it's worth the investment or not. I've only been playing with it for a couple weeks. Uh, But I did sign up for three months for $9. And I'm just going to kind of see how that shakes out. To be perfectly honest, I don't use the iWork apps a whole lot on my iPad. I use Keynote, but I don't really need network uh, uh, service that often. I mean, when I do a Keynote, I copy it over or, or I can move it over. There's a lot of ways to get it on there. Uh, for pages, though, this makes it possible for me to use pages more often. So I'm kind of going to see how I go for the first three months, and I also kind of want to see what else I can do with it. You know, having a, a web dev uh, service available to me.
1: Now, what do you have to do to set this thing up on your iPad? Because it's it's real easy to set up on the DropDAV website. You
0: it, it, you just, just log
1: just... it in and you you give them your Dropbox credentials.
0: Yeah, and that there's a bunch of comments on MaxSparky.com on my post about um, DropDav about that, because a lot of people are concerned, saying, well, why do I want to give my Dropbox credentials to this DropDav company? You know, Why do I want to share that? And uh, one of the posters uh, wrote that he actually called DropDav or um, Dropbox and confirmed that they're using uh, the proper security. And I don't want to try to restate what it is because I will inevitably screw it up, but he said it's a, a type of... Uh, Authorization that they don't really get access to your account, that they do become a conduit, but uh, that's something you should look into if it's of, of concern to you, but getting back to your point, um, uh, on the iPad, all you do is when you're in pages, for instance, that you hit the little uh, inbox or the, the open document icon mm-hmm. and there's an option there you know for WebDAv, and you could type that in there's three lines: um, one is the dropdav uh, website URL. And the second one is your Dropbox name. And the third is your Dropbox password. And then you're in, and it remembers.
1: And it remembers it, and then from then on, it's just an option.
0: Yeah. Sweet. So, Eddie, you said you'd use it on the web. Have you tried it on the iPad? or have you I haven't.
2: It and, and honestly, the the iWork apps, just they just haven't found a place into my workflow. I mean, Simple Note on the iPad is really my word processor, and so I just really haven't used Pages. I've I, I fiddled around with numbers a little bit, uh, but I, I just don't use them enough. I, I, it's probably not something I'll use.
0: You know, I've got some killer stuff on numbers where I use it almost kind of like an advanced calculator. And I have like a whole set of settlement uh, templates in there. So, I'm going to in a settlement conference with a client. I can show them, you know, tracking the settlement offers. I can show them what it's going to cost to get that number at trial with graphs and everything. So. I've got some really good uses for it. I've got mobile uses for numbers that don't really make sense on the desktop. So I found use for that. I do like pages and I do like Keynote. But like you, I don't access the Dropbox data nearly as much as I do with my text editors. So right, I'm yeah. kind of, my, I'm, the jury's still out on whether I need this service. But I do think the fact that it exists is pretty cool. And if you're listening to this and you've got some good uses for WebDAV, uh, sound off in the comments because I'm, I'm eager to hear what people are doing with this stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about using Dropbox for text files, because one of the things we talked about, I think we talked about it in our taking notes episode, and then Merlin touched on it quite a bit is, you know, a lot of people are using solutions like Simple Note to sync up files uh, with their iPad and, and with the uh, iPhone. But a, a lot of developers are now just using Dropbox as that database, you know, uh, text editors like Elements that are just syncing in with text files on the Dropbox for that kind of database. Um, uh, D- David and Eddie, is, are those the type of thing that you guys are using, or are you, are you still going with uh, other syncing alternatives?
2: Um, I'm still using SimpleNote because, mainly because of the, the web app. Uh, it, it's sort of this extra um, entry point into SimpleNote that the other services don't have. So even if I'm not even on a Mac, if I'm on a PC, I can just simply go to the SimpleNote uh app website and and log in and boom I have all my notes right there um, I do store my simple note uh text files in a Dropbox folder so when I'm using notational velocity on my Mac um, I'm actually working out of a Dropbox folder so um, it's sort of synced in two places now uh, you can get into some trouble doing that if you have two Macs uh, yeah, there, there's some uh things you want to be careful with um but it, it works well for me and uh one kind of neat trick <laughs> I've started doing, you know, I, anybody that's read my site knows that I'm, um, uh, you know, neck deep in uh, OmniFocus right now and really enjoying that. Um, I'm, I've come up with kind of this, this simple workflow where I can create a note uh, through Simple Note, and it's I've got a dedicated note called uh, it's TOOF, which just stands for Two OmniFocus, and it gives me a way to add a task uh through SimpleNote, note and uh when that uh, text file is updated on my mac um hazel is watching that folder and uh it will actually pop up that text file so when i'm back at my mac uh text that it's sitting there with any you know uh tasks or thoughts that i've added to that text file and then i can just throw those right into my uh omnifocus inbox so it gives me another way to just really quickly uh, jot down, you know, to dos or just thoughts that pop into my head that may turn into actions, and OmniFocus.
0: Eddie, you're such a nerd, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
2: and now, that makes you that makes you awesome. What I'd like you to do is to write an Apple script that will actually
1: make those OmniFocus actions. Please get on that. you, you, and no,
0: you could
2: do that. I'm, I'm about could. half. There's played. no reason you couldn't. You can, and, and actually, there's some stuff out there where people have done things like that, and I've played with it. And I almost had it working at one point, but then I kind of backed off and thought, well, you know, I'm kind of okay having that extra human step of looking at that text file one more time. Because, honestly, all kinds of weird things pop into my head throughout the day, and some of them don't even need to go into OmniFocus. I mean, I'll end up, you know, deleting stuff at that point sometimes, but I think it's important to to capture thoughts or capture ideas as much as you can. And it's just it's just another way to do that, and it's just super simple.
0: Yeah, I, I do something very similar. I have a file in Simple Note, and it's called Daily X, and it's just you know Daily X, and all day because I I dictate a lot and uh, with a Dragon dictate. So you know ideas for tasks, um, bits of correspondence, uh, pieces for the book, pieces for Max Barkey, pieces for the law, and I'm just always throwing text into this Daily X file, and I just programmed myself over the years to. Every day, go out and clean out Daily X at the end of the day, and, and there's a bunch of tasks in there. But it just takes a moment to uh, select that text, hit Command C, you know, or Command X to to, to cut it, and then hit the OmniFocus quick entry bar, and then hit Command P and or Command V. I'm sorry, and then it drops it in, and it gives you that extra filter. So, and my fingers do it so quickly at this point that I I'm not that exactly interested in
2: yeah. I, sure. One more Absolutely, opportunity to
1: look yeah, at as the
2: I use the keyboard shortcut, so yeah, it just flies. And and once I've cleaned out that two OmniFocus file, I type uh, uh, dash empty in it and save it, and, and Hazel knows that if it contains that term to not do anything with it, so it kind of gets back out of my way at that point.
0: Okay, I like that. I like that. Okay, so I'm sorry, we got sidetracked, Katie. We we're, talk- <laughs> were talking about
2: text. And we were talking right
1: about there. Dropbox. No, i Well, we were yeah, talking we were about talking text. At-
0: yeah, you're well, talking
2: Dropbox about. Well, Dropbox is know, still uh, involved because it's
0: it's a Dropbox folder. So, <laughs> well, also just you know the the question is, and, and this really started with some of the readers at Max Parky writing me because I've been writing about text a lot lately, and they were saying, "Hey, um, why are you using Simple still? You know, what do you need it for at this point?" And it's it was a good question because when I first started using Simple Note, there was no Dropbox API, and there weren't all these text editors that automatically synced. I mean, uh, Simple Note created its own syncing mechanism, they were the first ones there and, and I jumped on that, And you know, you kind of stick with things that work for you and uh, that got me thinking and I just finished writing the the chapter for the iPad at Workbook about using text editors and word processors and I covered all these great new um, iOS word processors and text editors and thinking, you know, maybe I can skip SimpleNote at this point and so I've been experimenting with like using Note C and uh, some of these other applications syncing directly to Dropbox and I cut SimpleNote out uh, for a few weeks and I have to admit I'm still kind of leaning towards using SimpleNote because I think it's it's nice having that extra web access there's a couple extra features in Note, and it seems to me like the sync is a little more reliable a lot of these text editors on iOS still have to you have to manually punch a sync button and sometimes there's a delay where I've never felt that with SimpleNote uh, that being said I think that the text editors being developed for iOS look much more beautiful than Simple Mode. And I know SimpleMote's great, it's got Helvetica, but I like having uh, fixed fonts and some ability to control the way it looks on a screen. I like making the text bigger, or having a little more line spacing, maybe I'm getting old, I don't know. But uh, I think I enjoy working with the text more on those other text editors, but I'm still doing most of my syncing in Simple Mode.
1: All right, let's, let's change topics a little bit. And uh, one of the other main features of Dropbox that I don't think we've talked about yet is that you not only have the ability to share documents across multiple Macs, documents across multiple computers, documents with other people who are using Dropbox, but you can also share documents kind of generally with the public at large. Um, you know, email is great for sending relatively small documents back and forth to people. Um, But, you know, you can have firewall issues, you can have, you know, virus scanning issues. um, You can have all kinds of issues where sometimes you can't email files back and forth, and sometimes you shouldn't because of size limitations or whatnot. And, you know, all of these types of services, like, you know, you send it and and so forth, cropped up. But I've really found that those have become obsolete now because of Dropbox.
0: I mean, the biggest problem is you've got... Something to do with work or fun or something you've got a big file and it's not going to attach to an email because it's too big. you know how do you get it there? Well, Dropbox does that for you, and it's really easy. It creates a link. You send the link and they drop they download it on their own bandwidth, and you're good to go
1: right and it's it's real easy. What you do is is you do have a public folder inside Dropbox, and you want to talk a little bit about how that works. Well, I know you can put <laughs> stuff
0: in there. I guess yeah. if someone has your uh, your file, uh, well, Eddie, do you use a public folder?
2: Um, I, I do I, for, for very specific things, and they are related to email. And uh, I, I wrote a post on this, and, and um, Merlin fortunately read it and linked to it because he, he wrote something that was about a million times better than what I wrote. So, you know, anything I can do to get Merlin to, to throw some candy uh, to the crowd, uh, I'm happy to do. And I, I learned a lot just from him, but um. It probably should just put a link to that post in the show notes.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're going to. In fact, it. that's one of the reasons. I when I read your article on, my, I said, well, we should have Eddie in on the Dropbox show because I know that you're pretty uh, into this stuff. Uh, before yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just, get to that in a little bit, but that's talking about security and stuff, and we've got that later in the outline. But just in general, the public folder is something you can throw something in there. Anybody can access it. I guess you need to give them. Uh, is it is it a link you need to give them? I guess I'm not prepared enough on this point, but
2: right. Uh, so yeah you basically right click the file and there's a if you're in the public folder and you right click a file there's an option to to copy the public url and uh and then from that point I mean you can email it or, or send it to anybody and anybody that has that link can download that file, which is good and bad <laughs> depending on what it is i guess
0: yeah see i was i understood i'm opening it right now to make sure i'm not talking out of you know so so here. the
1: the distinction, I think, is that files that are in your public folder and are public can be viewed or downloaded by anybody who uses the link. Um, and if at any point you want to stop using that or sharing that file, all you have to do is move it outside of your, your public folder.
2: That's that's how I understand it, and that, that's how it seems to work for me. Right.
1: Yeah,
0: now, but, but but, you can also create a shareable link for files that are not in your public folder, and you do that from the website. I'm doing all that. Right
2: I think that's a new feature. And I think you have to actually go to the website and turn that on. And I, I played with it a little bit. I think when you do that, it gives you like a little shortened URL. And I, I think the and they it. I think they kind of advertise that as being a little more secure, I guess, because uh you know, technically, I mean you do have a unique folder address for your public URL. And, you know, I mean, in theory, you know, somebody that has that uh, public folder URL could sit out there and just poll your (laughs) public folder all day, you know, for common names of things and potentially find something in it if you, you know, just left idle files out there. Um, So that's the the shared link that they added recently is probably a way to uh, make that a little more secure.
0: Yeah, and that's why I don't know anything about the public folder, because that's how I do it. Um, When. I need to share a big file, and it's in my Dropbox. you go and access it through the web so if you're on the Mac OS 10, you click in the menu bar, it just says you know open uh, drop or sorry launch Dropbox website and you click that it opens Safari or your browser of choice right into your Dropbox account and you can select any file in there and then if you right click it, it gives you a menu instead a of menu items on the left side and then one of those is you can the actual text is Get shareable link. And if you click that, then it creates a, a mini URL you can email to somebody. And just say, click this, and it downloads. And it comes from anywhere in your Dropbox. So it doesn't have to be in the shared folder. And, uh, and, and let's circle back to that. But we've been going for a long time. So let's cover uh, our next sponsor now. Well, uh, one password.
1: Yeah, actually, I think I can wrap this up very quickly.
0: Okay, uh, then do it.
1: Yeah. If, if you put a file in the Dropbox public folder, And if you right-click on it, you'll get a contextual menu item that pops up, and it says Dropbox. And and there are options that say, browse on the Dropbox website, view previous versions, or copy public link. And you only get that copy public link file for something that's in the public folder. If you go and you look at any other file that's in a Dropbox that is not in a public folder, inside the Dropbox folder, you get a different option that says, um, you know, share this. So if you go to Dropbox, it says, or it doesn't say copy public link, it says browse on the Dropbox website, which you can then, you know, go to the Dropbox website, and then you have to take that extra step to get the link. Does that make sense? So anything that's inside the public folder, you can, from the contextual menu item, right click and get the link.
0: So nothing in this is making me want to use the public folder. It's not that many. I I just prefer not to have public folders on anything.
1: Well, it maybe if if there's a if there's a it's not public in, in terms of it's it's open to the public for um you know anybody who's on the internet to come look at this folder. Yeah. So.
0: All right. Well, let's get back to uh, our second sponsor then. Uh One Password.
1: 1Password is kind of the company that introduced me to Dropbox in maybe a meaningful way because they were the company that really started transitioning things over to Dropbox. And because of the magic of Dropbox, 1Password is in sync on all of my devices, on my iOS devices, on my iPad, on my iPhone, on my Mac, on my PC at work. And no matter where I am and whether I've just created a password or not, I always have all of my passwords right at my fingertips.
0: Isn't that amazing? I mean, you can be on your Mac and sign up for a new web service like drop dev, you know, (laughs) and, uh, and you go over to your iPad, you know, five minutes later and all your credentials to log into drop dev are already on your iPad.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty magical. Yeah. And I do want to share an experience from this week, actually, uh, as to why it is so important to have secure passwords because, you not only have to look out for yourself, but you have to look out for what may be going on out there. And uh, all of a sudden this week, I got a little note in my my inbox that my 75-year-old grandfather, who thinks that AOL is the Internet, I love him. He's a great guy, though, um, invited me to connect with him on LinkedIn. Well, how realistic do you think that was? Um, well... <laughs> As it turns out, somebody sent him something, and he clicked on something, and something happens, and he's on a PC, by the way. And, uh, yeah, anyway, bad things happened, and passwords were compromised, and we had to get that all cleaned up. But he ended up sending out spam from all over his computer that anyone who clicked on that link probably had issues. Thankfully, I did not, and... Hopefully, would have been protected a little bit by virtue of the fact that that I used a Mac. But, you know, had I clicked on that link, had I logged into this website that thought that I thought was LinkedIn with my LinkedIn account, uh, and had I used a same password on that service that I use on all of my other services, I would have just compromised all of my passwords.
0: And one password gives you protection for that phishing scam too, because one password uh, offers you the password for sites that you've already got an account with. And 1Password will not offer you that password on a phishing site. It knows the difference. So if you had gone to LinkedIn, if you had clicked Grandpa's link, and all of a sudden 1Password wasn't offering to log you in, uh, then red flags would go up and you would know, wait a second, something's going on here. Something's so going uh, that's another benefit of it. It avoids key logging as well because it, it doesn't use you know a keyboard command to put it in. So someone has a key logger on you, they're not going to get your passwords. It's just a great application, very actively developed. Those guys are always on top of things. Uh, on the Mac, it's, it's $40. You can get a family license for $70. Um, you can get a hybrid version for both iPad and iPhone for 15 or you can get each one for $10 each, and I highly recommend it. And thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
1: All right, let's let's dig a little bit geekier and see how much deeper we can get with Dropbox now.
0: Far farther down the rabbit
1: hole. A, a little further down the rabbit hole. Um, so let, let, let's skip this first one, and we'll circle back around to it. But but let's talk a little bit first about how we can use Dropbox to um, keep our iPhoto and our iTunes library in sync, because that is still the service that Apple hasn't offered us yet.
0: Yeah, and we've had some listeners write in who do this. They use uh, Dropbox because if you've got a small enough library or a big enough Dropbox, you could drop the whole thing in there. I mean, iPhoto and iTunes are one of those apps that lets you uh, point at whatever library you want in whatever location on your Mac.
1: Um, and and it works. This is not something that I've personally done, but I've had several people write me and say, yes, I'm keeping my iTunes library in sync across multiple computers. I'm keeping my iPhoto library in sync across multiple computers. And I'm doing it just by using Dropbox. So um, yet another creative way that, that people have come up for shortcomings that, that Apple hasn't solved yet.
0: And there was one question I had about this, and I didn't have the means or ability to test it. And I sent emails out to two of our listeners who had written me in the past and they were doing iTunes syncing this way. And the question I had was, so what if you and your wife access the iTunes library at the same time? You know, Does it create a conflict, and you know, is there a problem? And I haven't heard back from either one of those Mm -hmm. listeners. And these emails, granted, were some of them were over a year old. Uh, So, uh, if anybody listening knows the answer to that question, I think that'd be a great comment on the site. Because it seems to me, if you put it on Dropbox and you have two people hitting that library at the same time, that you could have bad things happen. Because I don't think iTunes knows how to deal with that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear the answer. So, all right, digging a little deeper. How do you use Dropbox with Hazel?
0: There's a lot of ways to use Hazel with Dropbox. Uh, Eddie's already talked about one. You know, because Hazel's always watching uh, the uh, watching whatever folder you pointed at. You can have rules based on names of files. In fact, uh, this really this is kind of a point that really I thought was cool. So I'm preparing for this show and I'm looking for outlines. And I I knew there was a whole bunch of security developments for Hazel and Dropbox. And I knew some of them had arisen out of the show we did on Hazel. Because we had talked about it at the end of that show.
1: Oh yeah, take credit for and, it. Go ahead.
0: Well, no, I, I kind of can in this case because I did a search on it, and uh, somebody had this post, this great post about how they use Hazel to monitor and secure their Mac, so they could have they could change the name. You know, basically, it flips a bit in Hazel if they see it. And okay. so I'm reading this I'm reading this article, and it's by this guy named Don Southard, who seemed like a really smart guy. And I then I realized reading the article that my, that Donna is a brilliant. And the reason I say that, because he cites to you and me at the beginning of his post. Sweet! Because he came up with the <laughs> Mac. I'm going to put it in here. And so he secures his Mac with Hazel, and it's all about changing names of sites. And then he's got this whole uh, shell script where they can take a picture with the eyesight camera. It's just the coolest thing. And I, I love that I had a small part to do
1: with it. All right, so, so back us and give, give, give us the big picture of how this works.
0: Okay, so he's got a file. And he's got a folder, uh, or I guess it's a security, and everything in there is based on the name of a text file, small file. Okay. And if his Mac ever disappears, uh, he just goes and logs into Dropbox on one of his other anything, computers. right? Yeah. Changes the name of that file. Hazel sees that the the file name has changed, and then it takes pictures and it it's it does all this stuff. It has a whole script that runs. So off it's
1: there. a lot of lot of Apple scripting that he's using. So it's if this file, watch this folder. And if this file name changes to this, then run these Apple script which takes pictures yeah, with the iSight camera. Yeah, yeah, shell scripts. Okay. Yeah. Takes pictures with the eyesight camera, and uh, I'm guessing does all kinds of other stuff.
0: Yeah, so, and and he's he's brilliant the way he did it because he even probably instead of reports shutting down, back
1: an IP address or
0: exactly, but he didn't he didn't have it shut down the computer. He just locks the computer because he wanted to give Dropbox time to upload the pictures and all the other data it was collecting about the oh, crook. Dear. So I mean, just taking your Dropbox account and Hazel, you've like got this great security system built into your Mac. I thought it was brilliant, and I, I hope uh, I can't wait to see what our listeners do with it. Hopefully, somebody will even make it better. So now, we're going to now finish. here's a
1: here's a question I should know the answer to: Do you have to be logged into your account for Dropbox to work?
0: You have to be logged into your Dropbox account
1: to your user account. So if somebody stole his computer, but they couldn't get access to his user account. No, I, well, I, I I don't think he could set this off.
0: Well, I I don't know. I mean, I think that if you have more than one user account, um, I guess maybe he
1: selectively
2: shared this folder with a public user account or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and it, yeah. The it, key it, would so. be whether Dropbox was running under whatever account he signed in under, yeah. and and if Dropbox was only linked, I guess, to his account, and he the the whoever took his computer went into through a guest account or something else. Then it might not work, I guess.
0: Yeah, and also Hazel's the same thing. If you open a guest account and Hazel's not not loading, mm-hmm. uh, not, all that magic's not going to happen. But it's uh, it's still pretty awesome.
2: Oh, that's very that's awesome. almost a reason to use a weak password. I you mm-hmm. know you want somebody to get in <laughs> to see if it would actually work.
1: Well and, well, and by that method, if if you've got all your documents and things stored in Dropbox, and your computer does get taken. Um, you know, if you do, if you go into the Dropbox website and, and deassociate the computer, disassociate the computer, um, you know, it will, you can pull those files off that computer.
0: Yeah, but you know, you're giving a lot more credit to the crooks than than really yeah. merited. Most often, I think people who steal your laptop are... They just bare, eBay, if, if, yeah but it's it's pretty neat. I thought that was probably that gets the propeller beanie award uh, hat for this episode for cool uses of Dropbox and Hazel.
2: And and Dropbox, I mean, and it's really easier than maybe some people would think to to leverage Hazel with Dropbox and and then you throw in Automator and you can really do some amazing things. I mean, I for example, I I've gotten to where I Whenever I connect my iPhone to my Mac, I, I hate for iPhoto. Actually, I use Aperture three, but I don't like for it to pop up every time. So I've gotten to where now I just upload photos from my iPhone to a Dropbox folder, and Hazel watches that folder. And any time a photo is added, it runs a workflow that uh, imports those straight into Aperture. So you know, by the time I'm back at my Mac, uh, those photos that I want to be in Aperture are already there. And uh, yeah. there's
0: some. And then you have the automatic sync turned off. So when you plug in your iPhone, it doesn't give you all that nonsense.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I disabled that. So it, yeah. So it doesn't pop up iPhoto or Aperture when I plug it in.
1: Com- completely unrelated. There's a little preference pane that's free that's called cameras. You can Google it, or we can put a link in the show notes where you can tell it when you plug in your iPhone or when you plug in your iPad, those cameras not to launch iPhoto.
0: Yeah, that, that preference pane allows you to do it by camera. By camera. Otherwise, right. I think it was the image tool. What's it called? Uh, image, image capture. capture tool, image capture tool has a preference where you can set it as well, but that's a yeah. globe for everything you plug in.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway, we digress. No, so, that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. Um, Eddie, why don't, you, why don't you tell us about, uh, about uh, since we're kind of talking about Hazel, about your rule that you, that you set up and that you did your blog post on about kind of using Dropbox securely to share files.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, just first of all, I mean, again, to just emphasize how bad email is as a file repository. I mean, what I tell people is just look through your email and and you'll realize that probably 75 percent or more of it is some sort of conversation with someone else. And so what that means is no matter how secure your password is on your email, 75 percent of your email exists on other people's computers. And not to mention the countless email servers scattered across the world. And so as soon as you drop a file or attach a file to an email and send it, you can be pretty confident that that file is going to exist forever. And so if that file's got your social security number in it or other things, um, you know, you've you've just really exposed <laughs> your identity to the world probably forever. Um, so... One simple way around that is to to not attach a file to an email, but instead, um, I actually use the Dropbox public folder uh, for that. And uh, I'll um, basically instead of attaching the file to email, I'll put the file in the public folder and then give the file some you know goofy name that nobody would be able to guess, um, and uh, and send them the link to that file through the email. And so, you know, and I'll only leave it out there for a day or two, you know, just long enough for them to download it. And so that way, even if somebody got that email at some point, uh, it would have that uh, URL in it to my Dropbox folder. But by that time, I would have removed the file and the link is broken. And so the file never touches email. It just stays in Dropbox and gets transferred, you know, exactly to who I you know, want it to be transferred to. So it's just a really handy way to bypass email uh, as a file storage system because that's essentially what you're using it for as soon as you uh, attach anything to it.
0: And then Merlin picked up on your post, and he told me about this workflow last year. Um, I I think it might have been in a phone conversation, but where he did this, and he has an extra uh, layer to it. First of all, he uses a totally random name for the folder and the file name. And then he also creates a hazel rule that watches that folder and kills the file automatically after a set period, which I thought was kind of a nice little touch. So yeah, you don't know, have to remember awesome. good yeah. <laughs> You know, it just goes and kills it. And we're going to put links for both of those in the show notes, so you can go and get the you know the nitty gritty on how to do that. That was a great post, though, Eddie. <laughs> I just can't get over how many quality posts you do at your site. Almost <laughs> every one of them goes into InstaPaper for me. <laughs>
2: Thanks, I appreciate that.
1: Um, you can also use Dropbox. Kind of, you were talking, Eddie, about how you don't like to launch iTunes all the time and you don't like to, to sync stuff through iTunes. Or, or maybe you do. I mean, the only thing I really like to sync through iTunes is, is music and podcasts and apps that I have to update occasionally through iTunes. But I'm just waiting for the day that Apple gets wireless or sync of some kind figured out. But I never, ever, ever, use itunes to sync documents with my ipad i just that just seems so wrong such, such a wrong way to do something I, I don't know i mean that's kind of the way you get stuff on your the apple way to get stuff on your ipad is to either email it to your ipad or to sync it through itunes or to use the iDisk. which none of those to me seem like really good options uh and and using dropbox and ios is really a way for you to to skip itunes whether you use dropdav or whether you use another application that 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 can read into your your Dropbox folder. You know, if it's up on your Dropbox, a lot of these apps can get it.
2: Yeah, yeah and also, I mean, well, go ahead, Eddie. I, I was just going to say, I mean, just to emphasize how important Dropbox is to iOS, I mean, you know, a lot of, some people were complaining that iOS doesn't have a file system. Well, Dropbox really is the file system for iOS because so many apps support it now. You know, whether you're using a good reader or, uh, you know, I, I use uh, an app called uh, iThoughts HD. It's a mind mapping app. Uh, you can browse your Dropbox folder directly from the app and not only download but upload. And uh, some of these apps are getting so sophisticated that they'll automatically sync uh, with Dropbox. And so um, it really has come in and, and just filled that void that everybody kind of wanted, which was some way to, you know, to browse files without having wires involved. Yeah, and, you know, um, it's-
0: yeah. Yeah, it's funny, just to follow up on that, in Goodreader, for instance, I have a folder both on my personal Dropbox and also the shared work Dropbox we were talking about earlier, and each one holds a set of PDFs in nested folders in it, and Goodreader automatically syncs those. I open Goodreader and I push one button, and it makes everything magically sync. So, like, if I'm at work and I'm working on a document and I'm redlining it on my PC, I... I just save it to that folder because I work from that folder in essence. I open my iPad and Goodreader. I can open it and continue there, making additional highlights, hit the sync button again, and then it's back on my Mac or back on my PC. And I just, it's amazing to me. And this is the thing about this that blows me away. I mean, Apple has got this legendary reputation for hating being beholden to anybody, right? I mean, that's the whole thing about Apple. They don't want. They don't want to have to depend on Adobe to make Flash work in order to keep their system working. Whatever technology you want to take. They don't want to be dependent on Microsoft to have an Office application. Apple is like got this corporate culture that hates being dependent on anyone. And because they've been sitting back on this file sharing with iOS, Dropbox has become the dependent technology to make things work. I mean, in the book I'm working on, this iPad at workbook right now, I say straight out, if you're going to have an iPad and work on it, you need a Dropbox account. It's a dependent technology, and I cannot believe Apple let that happen, but they did.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, the timing for the Dropbox people was just brilliant. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine their timing being any better. I mean, with, with iOS happening, and uh, uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, Dropbox, to me, it's kind of become like Kindle. Is it a service? Is it an app? Yes, yes. I mean, it's kind of all these things. And it just it just keeps, you know, seeping into all these cracks and, and filling all these voids and, and making things, you know, possible that, um, you know, who, who knows? I mean, maybe iOS wouldn't be quite what it is today without Dropbox. That might be a stretch because I... I um, no,
0: you know, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, if I uh, couldn't have iThoughts automatically sync or if I couldn't have my PDF seamlessly copy from my PC to my iPad, it wouldn't be as good. And, you know, their timing is good, but I think the timing results from a vacuum, a vacuum that was created by Apple. I mean, they released this awesome product, but they didn't have, a, you know, their solution for documents was making extra copies, you know, like the old days where we had 15 copies of a document, we had to run around with floppies. I mean, that's basically what their solution was when it released. And, you know, they had an existing networking technology in iDisk, and they didn't, they really didn't incorporate it, and Dropbox stepped in and filled the void.
1: Well, I, I mean, think. You know part of the reason they didn't incorporate it is because it was bad
0: yeah, well, I, it just seems like they left the door open there. I mean, who knows? for all we know the the mythical data center is going to fix all this, and we're all going to go back and running to apple and you know frankly, a lot of the people out there who aren't real tech savvy don't know Dropbox exists, and they're not getting the all that extra benefit. And if Apple did it, everybody would know about it. So maybe Apple will still come back and just suck all that space out of there. But for now, it just seems to me that Dropbox just really owns it.
1: All right, guys. Okay,
0: I'm off my sandbox.
1: (laughs) Well, have we covered Dropbox?
0: I think we have.
1: (laughs) I think we've covered it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's it's such a broad service, though, and I'm sure that there are things we've missed. And uh, like for instance, even I'm just looking at the outline. We can get PDFs to the iPad with Dropbox. You know, uh, if you put the $10 Printopia app on your Mac, uh, you just print to PDF and it saves straight to Dropbox. So you can t- turn a website into a PDF on your um, iPad, just using Dropbox. I mean, there's there's all these technologies out there, so. If you're listening to the show and you're yelling at your dashboard or at your dog or somebody right now because we didn't cover something, come in and drop it in on the comments. Love to hear what we missed.
1: All right. Well, Eddie, thank you so much for for joining us with this. Why don't you tell everybody – we'll we'll let you go. We still got some some, uh, housekeeping stuff to do, but why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and what you do?
2: Sure. Um, Well, my my main uh, online Mac personality is uh, at uh, practicallyefficient.com, which is definitely a double entendre if you've ever read any of my posts there. But uh, um, I'm also on Twitter. It's uh, Eddie underscore Smith. That's E-D-D-I-E underscore Smith. So those are really the two best places to find me uh, around the Internet.
0: It's just such great quality stuff, Eddie. Please keep it up. I'm a big fan of yours.
2: Thanks. Likewise.
0: Okay, so here we are with our third sponsor, the Omni Group. And the Omni Group is makers of some fine productivity software for the Mac and iOS. Uh, today we're going to talk about one of my favorites, OmniGraph Sketcher. And they have an application available both for the Mac and the iPad. And the idea behind OmniGraph Sketcher is, is a unique one. I mean, to most applications or people who do presentations, when they want them to create a graph, where do you go? I mean, you go to Excel or you go to Numbers and you create it with the built-in tools. The problem is if you want to emphasize certain data points or color in certain regions, it's really difficult to do that and sometimes not even possible using a traditional uh, Excel-type spreadsheet program. Well, OmniGraph Sketcher deals with just one, that problem. It allows you to take a, se- a series of data or input your own data and make absolutely gorgeous graphs and, uh, based on it. So it's a multi-touch graph drawing on the iPad, uh, on the Mac, it works uh, equally well. Uh, the features are it's simple, it's easy to to put graph drawings to use, you can import your data from Excel and Numbers, and you can add context to whatever you're doing. So you can set emphasis on certain points. Now, there's really nothing like it, and you need to go check it out if you do any type of presentation work that involves graphs. Yeah. Uh, so.
1: As with all the Omni products, you can get a free trial. They offer a two-week free download of OmniGraph Sketcher for you to use. Um, and they have versions both for the Mac and for the iPad. Uh, the Mac version is available either through Omni's website or the Mac App Store. $29.95 for an individual license or $44.95 for a family license. And the iPad app that I've been playing with, which is just very cool to be able to interact with it and touch it with your hands and manipulate the data, I think, in kind of a very personal way, uh, is $14.99. And... Omni also has a full money-back guarantee, not only with all of their apps that you download for the Mac, but with their iPad apps as well. And I guess their iOS apps as well.
0: And they have a student discount. I know we have a lot of students that listen to the show, and all the Omni products have student discounts. So you want to check that out as well. Right. So thanks, Omni Group, for sponsoring the Mac Power Users. All right, Katie, we've got some feedback.
1: We do have a lot of feedback, especially because we didn't do any uh, last week with Merlin. I'm, I'm sure we'll... Uh, We're we're recording this episode pretty soon after uh, the Merlin episode release, so we we don't have any Merlin feedback for you. I'm I'm sure that'll come in the next episode.
0: Yeah, but we do have feedback following up on our prior shows, and in particular the one we did with Brett Terpstra uh, talking about file naming and uh, finding your files on your Mac. And one comment we had was from Rick asking about uh, notational velocity. He said, there's two versions. How do you know which one to use? And we're talking about the notational velocity alt that Brett has been working on, and then the basic notational velocity. Both are open source applications. And Brett's version was essentially a fork of the original and it added some additional features. And I think we kind of glossed over it in the original episode. But what you can do is you can uh, preview with Markdown. You can put your list of notes on the side as opposed to on the top of the screen. It just, you know, it gives it a little more user friendliness. They have a full screen button in there. And it's been in a state of flux because I know Brett's been working on it since they've made some changes to the Simple Note uh, database style, but it's coming along, and we'll have a link in the show notes so you can see how it works. Uh, either one will work. Uh, it, notational velocity is kind of the, the foundational one, and if you get into it, I recommend using Brett's version, which is the one I prefer.
1: All
0: right. Uh, Rick also had asked about um, uh, talking about you know how come we didn't cover uh, Yep in more detail in the show. And he talked about uh, the way the YEP uh, database works where you don't have to drill through folders. And it was kind of a hunter perspective on using YEP. And I think it's a great app. Like I said on the show, I've used it in the past in my day-to-day operations. So if you're looking for a good way to index PDF files, I want to, again, emphasize to go check it out. Yeah.
1: And speaking about YEP, John wrote in about its companion product Leap, which is made by the same developer. And he said, "What about Leap? You mentioned YEP for PDF files, but Leap is a general purpose file browser that can do tagging and shows in the cloud in a much more intuitive way than any other software, in my opinion." And he says, "I'm test driving it now, um, and I have used Leap before, and it, it does tagging and and all that kinds of stuff." So there's a there's a free version. You you may want to check that out as well.
0: Yeah, and I reviewed that on um, Max Barkey back when it was in a one and I was impressed at the time. And I think just the way the bullets were flying with the last episode, I just didn't we didn't have time to cover it. So go check it out if you're interested. Uh Philip uh wrote in uh and shamed me. You mm-hmm. know, he actually shamed me because yeah, he talked about a dictionary shortcut. You know, we spent all that time talking about getting to the dictionary through LaunchBar, bar, getting to the dictionary through spotlight. We never mentioned command control D, which allows you to, you know, you can get to the dictionary from any basically text editor. And I like that. I use that thing all the time. And how did I, I think I wrote about it in my book and I'm not sure how I forgot to talk about it on the show. So I am, Philip, I am shamed and thank you for bringing that to my attention.
1: Uh, Warwick wrote in with a question about Gmail attachments. And he says, my enthusiasm for tagging a, files, a shallow file system is also renewed, but I have one concern, and that's attaching files to email using the Gmail interface. He says, I hate drilling down, but at least I can find what I need to attach. Does anybody have a good workflow? He says, I've tried Mailplane but have been underwhelmed, but still intend to buy it. When I heard the new version of Mail Line is likely to be closer to Mailplane, um, now he's back... To- to his Gmail browser for now, drilling, drilling, drilling. I get that because especially if you're kind of like us, you got these folders within folders within folders, uh, you can be drilling a while. Um, I don't use uh, Mailplane. I, I do most of my attachments. I use Apple Mail and, you know, I kind of do drag and drop and I do launch bar to kind of get me close to, to attach files and, and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the email apps that I've heard recommended recently is Sparrow. It's, it seems to be uh, pretty minimalist, and it, it's got a nice-looking interface. I haven't used it personally. David, do you have any, any uh, uh, in, uh, input? Ooh, sorry, input, <laughs> yes. In, input. It just
0: came out with version 1.1 that not only does Gmail, but it also does uh, IMAP, and so it would work with your mobile me. And it's $10 in the App Store, and I've been thinking about buying it just to kick the tires. But to be honest, uh, I li- I have customized and used uh, app, mail.app so often, and I like the OmniFocus plugin and all that stuff, it'd be really hard for me to switch mail clients. But I think that would be one worth checking out. Maybe that would solve this problem.
1: Uh, it kind, of, kind of looks Twitterific-like, I think, a little bit. Yeah, Not Twitterific, uh, Twitter, the Twitter app.
0: Kind of. Well, I think there's a theme here. I mean, I think a lot of apps on the Mac are starting to get an iOS feel to them in terms of simplicity and interface. So and Lion definitely is heading that way. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how all this this shakes out. Mm-hmm. I think it overall may be good because it, it makes these features available to people who don't have the time to sit around and listen to, you know, Dave and Katie talk for you know two hours about it.
1: Right.
0: Um, uh, we heard from Jen, or I'm sorry, Jen's. And uh, he said that, you know, Hey, you guys talked about, uh, yeah, but what about ironic softwares, other app fresh? And, you know, This is one that was kind of new to me, and I played with it a little bit, and it's kind of like a HUD-style uh, tagging system with keyboard shortcuts. And I was really kind of impressed with this. I may start to play with this. So I would recommend checking out Fresh, which is another app from Ironic Software.
1: All right. Well, I think that about uh, – oh, no, we got one more. Sorry. Um, Riley. Yeah, we got Riley. Sorry, Riley. Uh, Riley emailed us about using nested folders with aliases. Um and he said he liked our show. He found it a session with loaded ideas to test. I, I did too. I thought our tagging show was a great show. Um, but he liked our bias towards having nested folders and keywords. And I you know, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people who have been using the Mac for a long time just may be more apt to use that route. I don't know. Um, but he also said that, you know, regarding nested folders that he we didn't apparently mention using file aliases. I, I can't believe that we didn't do that. But, you know, creating an alias is really easy. You can right click or control click on something um, or you can go up to the menu bar and you can say make alias, but you can make a a quick alias, which is, you know, less than a symbolic link. It's kind of the equivalent of a a shortcut on a Windows desktop and drop an alias here and there to make files available, you know, pretty much anywhere you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Riley.
1: Yeah. Aliases are, are your friend sometimes.
0: Okay, so Katie, how do you get a hold of us?
1: Well, you can contact us through our website where you can find links to everything we talked about in this show as well as our others, and make comments and let us know how you use Dropbox and what we got right and what we got wrong.
0: And the URL for that is macpowerusers.com. You can also send us feedback at feedback at macpowerusers.com.
1: You can also send us a voice comment to our Google Voice account. That number is 706-457-6937 or seven zero six four five power There's a link on our website to that as well.
0: And we are on Twitter. It's at MacPowerUsers, as well as uh, Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I am at MacSparky.
1: Yeah, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash MacPowerUsers. And uh, we love iTunes comments. I just went in there today and and saw that there was a new slew so, so we appreciate that. Um, as always, our thanks to our sponsors, Smile, 1Password, and Omnigroup. Without their support, we would not be able to do this show.
0: Okay, so what's next, Katie?
1: Uh, next up, we're going to talk about GoodReader. We've we've talked about GoodReader in this episode. We mentioned it uh, a lot in the Merlin episode, and it's it's come up from time to time on various podcasts. So I think it's about time that we uh, we do it. So if you if you want to load up the app on your iPad and your iPhone and play around with it, and anticipation of that, uh, go for it, and, and we'll cover it in, in all its geeky detail.
0: Yeah. So uh, put your nerd hat on and get ready for the. Mac Power Users Treatment of Goodreader. All
1: right. I look forward to it, David. I, I, uh, I, I know that I have a lot to learn about Goodreader, so, so this will be uh, the excuse that I need to really dig deep with it.
0: All right. See you then, Katie.